check. You guys can be seated. Thank you, Anchor Church. It's like I'm coming back home. Um, when I left, this place was a dream of our Hope Chapel back at Ben Parker School where I went. And uh, it's like I showed up and I saw some friends who just look a little older and fatter and gray hairs and we have kids. But it's like, what a humbling experience to be here today with all of you, right? I was saved in this church. I was 15 years, years old and then made it with Carl. And uh, we're back and hopefully we can bring you the word of God. Amen? Amen? Um, speaking of the first uh, missionaries, uh, what's kind of cool is that me and Carl were actually arrested as missionaries. <laughs> yeah, kind of heavy, yeah? Every Kailua kid's uh, mission is to go surf Kanye Base. That's our mission. But, you know, so we had to sneak around Kaimalino, the fence, and we're walking around one day, and then we're like, yeah, we go surfing, gee! And all of a sudden, these guys pop out of the bushes, Right? Camouflage, twigs, all painted up. Hey, what you guys doing? I don't know if they had guns or something, but we heard they had like, oh, scared us. So we were taken to the uh, jail over there at Kanyoli. I think it's pink. Um, is it still pink? No, you've been there. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> you kind of say that. All the high school kids are like, uh-oh, I don't know. Never been there, mom. But anyway, so we were arrested as missionaries. A lot of good times, a lot of amazing, crazy prank stories in Bible college. You guys could uh, talk to me after and we could uh, share some cool stories, but this is, I think, being recorded, so I don't want to bust Carl, but you know what I mean? Anyway, uh, <laughs> super stoked. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, I grew up in Kailua. I uh, went to St. Anthony's school. I saw a lady here. She's like, I remember you at St. Anthony's school. I was so crazy coming back here. And then I went on to a St. Louis High School in the Crusaders. Yep, yep. You learn teamwork at St. Louis. On the field, and in the classroom, I call it teamwork. Teachers call it cheating. <laughs> Coaches call it eligibility. <laughs> Woo, right? So then I went on to college with Carl. And uh, I actually, <clears throat> sophomore year, I went to the Hope Chapel uh, youth camp up at Timberline. Kind of camp's coming up. This is a great plug for the youth pastor here. Get your kids to summer camp. Change your life. Change my life here. I tell the story everywhere I go. I was saved at 15 years old. And God said, I have something new for you. And I felt I belonged to a new family. And then God began to work on my life. And I uh, quit the football team there, which is like not something you're supposed to do, right? I quit. I changed my circle of friends, became uh, Hope Chapel Grom with all these guys. And it was like, then I began to fell in love with Jesus. And I said, I belong. He's going to do something big in my life. I didn't know what that was. So I went on to Bible college. He apparently didn't change me too much because at Bible college, I was like, hey, Carl, write big, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so I was actually uh, kicked out of Bible college uh, twice. I know. I crammed all four years into seven. And I just tell people, yeah, I went to college seven years. And I just let them, like, assume I have, like, a doctorate or something. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, seven years. How long you went to college? Oh, more smart. Anyway. <laughs> then I got plugged in in San Diego, and uh, I was teaching at this school. And our pastor, Pastor Miles, was doing a, a large young adult service at night. Had a lot of followers. And God told him to start a church at a college. And uh, so we started a church. I became the youth pastor, right? I was like, you need a youth pastor? Sure, I'll do it. It was like 10 kids. I'm like, I can do that. And all of a sudden, the church started with 2,500 people. Yeah, it was like, at the time, it was like the largest church plant in America or something. I don't know. 
but it was like pretty big, 2,500 people. And then it grew and grew and grew and grew. And I didn't know what I was doing. We made, in ho- we made in hotels, didn't have a room. And all I knew to do was find people to help me. I need help. Let's do this. And as Carl was saying, it began to grow and we began to launch other campuses and all the passion from other campuses was all these young guys that came up underneath me and we just kind of kept training them and then all of a sudden we're like campuses campuses campus and then got to me around the world and we're doing um crusades in uh like jamaica we did one Kauai, we did one all these places awesome and then um we started to have like discipleship groups and students going across the world and we had our students doing amazing ministry it's all about the students doing doing ministry they're putting on um a shower of hope for um, teenage moms and then the mayor of san diego his wife noticed that our youth ministry was doing all this community service and she partnered with some of our students to do one of her own community service projects and it was just like mind-blowing and i felt like i got on this plane you go to the mainland, you get on a plane, right? It's like a big 747. You get on this plane, you pack your bags, and it's plane stop. And then the plane takes off. And then three hours later, you're like going 50,000 feet. I don't know how high planes go. But if you don't know the answer, you just make it up, right? <laughs> Sounds about right. 50,000 feet. And you're flying like 100 miles an hour. Nah, like 500 miles an hour. You're just going, and you're just all comfortable and just... And I was just going, and I was just not showing how fast I was going. And the Lord said in December... Drew, Trish, I have a new season for you. Follow me. Let's go. So I felt like this past January, I like jumped out of a 747 plane with my wife and kids. And here's a picture of them. You get a picture? I was home, babe, like just the other week. I didn't know I was going to be here. Duke, he's still here. Vivi, True, she's nine, seven. My son, I don't know what he is. Kidding. And my dad, <laughs> my wife, Trish. Who cares? I was like, girl, girl, boy, yeah. <laughs> but check this out. It gets crazier. Two weeks after I left, we found out what? Pregos. <laughs> what? And I was like, this number fourth kid, we're going to start discipline really, really early. So even yes, uh, last week, I was like looking at the belly. I was like, go to your womb. <laughs> My kids are tripping out. They're like, daddy, I'm going to go to your womb. Discipline starts early for number four. Right? Had to get a Kia. Anyways. So that's where I'm at, but I'll tell you one thing, man. Where I'm at now, I feel like, this is, I feel like free, and, and like I feel like my only option is like Jesus and faith and not walking by my own sight and my own like, oh, I got a job and a paycheck and this and this. I'm like, I want to live by faith. I want God to stretch my faith. You know what I mean? I never thought I would be at college or leave Kailua. I never thought that. I was like, yeah, right. That's crazy. Be a youth pastor. Are you kidding me? And then leave. I'm like, I want to tell you today, really, if you don't hear this, like the message would be unlikely. God uses unlikely people from unlikely places to do unlikely ministry. Unlikely people, as we'll see, Jesus picked some unlikely people from unlikely places to do unlikely ministry. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, we have the scripture up here on the screen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mark chapter 1. This is Jesus now comes to earth. Remember, he had all of eternity to plan when he comes to earth. He had all of eternity to plan when he's going to come. 
had all of eternity to plan who he was going to pick, so he knew what he was doing. He was very intentional, very strategic, because he's Jesus. Okay? So we're going to pick up the story of who he picks. <laughs> right? Think about that. Mark chapter 1 says this. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen. Say fishermen. fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me. Say follow me. Follow me. Good. And I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Say immediately. Immediately. You guys are on it. You guys are good. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and, his, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending their nets. Say, mending their nets. Mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Now, let's, I'm just going to look. I love using the Bible like this because you can write in it. You can highlight stuff with that yellow highlighter. Don't highlight with black. If you don't like it, like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> right? Yellow, write in your Bibles. Check this out. I noticed here it says, the whole context is, follow me and I will make you fishes of men. I noticed that Jesus doesn't take volunteers. I'm going to change the world, sign up if you like. Calling anybody, sign up. Jesus had like first round draft choices. You know what I mean? My nephew's at UH today in high school trying to like show off for all the college scouts. I don't think there's a college scouts that's like, hey, you just volunteer to sign up, play at our college. Right? You don't want to go there. Jesus was not trying to get a church softball team going. You know? <laughs> Anybody, please just... Jesus was specific yeah. and intentional. Come follow me. And then, which really is like the steak Talk about steak, right? Is the steak and potatoes is Jesus says, I will make you fishes of men. Not come follow me to go catch fish. Jesus says, Follow me. I will make you fishermen. I will change you. The responsibility of being changed and being fishermen of men was on who? Jesus. Jesus. Let's try that again, because if you don't know the answer in church, usually it's Jesus. <laughs> Just like Bible college, right? I don't know what? Jesus. Good. <laughs> the responsibility of being a fisherman is on who? Jesus. Jesus. He's the changer. He's going to change you. What's he going to change you into? It's scary. You can fill that in. Change you from this into a supernatural husband, a supernatural wife, a supernatural leader, a supernatural fisher of men. Amen? Yeah. Responsibility is on him. No vol volunteers. Number one draft choices. He's coming after you. He's recruiting you. Follow him. Number two, what kind of guys did he pick? Fishermen, we talked about that. Two sets of brothers, right? He recruited people with similarities into his team because we know it's going to get tough when we're going to go fishing for men, right? He picked good fishermen. How do we know? Because we talked about it before. They were, how you cast net like this? Casting nets, right? They're casting nets because they're fishing and catching fish. Then the other guys are mending their nets because they caught a lot of fish. They're mending their nets. They weren't just drinking beer talking about, I caught a fish this big, the one-handed guy said, right? That's not what they're saying. <laughs> Try that again. Okay, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They were lazy. They were doing stuff. You know what I mean? What else it says here? I'm kicking everything around. They were 
had a sense of teamwork. They were decision makers. Why? Because they left immediately. They're men of faith, really. Come follow me. I'm going to change you from doing this earthly work to an eternal work. Because there's a bigger meaning to our life than just sometimes get stuck in the weeds and stuck in the fish guts. Why is this significant? Following Jesus is our only action. All you have to do is follow Jesus. It takes faith. Hebrews 11:6 6, that is impossible to please God without faith. Right? We think, I'm going to please God by having my Bible, anchor church sticker on it. I got gold letters. I get two Bibles. I come to church all day. I serve. Faith. That's how to please God. Own by faith. Right? Number two, again, I will make you become. If you're taking notes, I'll write that part down. That is like the stake of the message. I will change you. Jesus is supernaturally going to change you. You can't change yourself. We try as Christians, I'm going to be better. I'm going to do it. I'm going to stop. I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. If you could, then you'd get the praise. But if you give it to Jesus, he changes you. Everybody knows, right? Everybody knows that's a changed life right there. Supernaturally changed a man's life, and that's your story. I was blind. Now I see. I don't have all the answers. I don't know about the dinosaurs. I don't know. I was blind. Now I see. Fishes of men, white men. Fishing, I don't know, must, is really hard, okay? A lot of stuff, a lot of work, early morning, long hours. They don't catch fish. They can't just punch out and go home. You got to go out there to see and catch more fish. And Jesus says, you're going to put all that work into catching fish. Woo-hoo. I'm going to change you to catching people because people are a lot like fish, right? Fish are in the ocean drowning. Just kidding. <laughs> People are in the world drowning, getting eaten by other fish, lost. And there's a lot of people to catch. Let's go catch some people and bring them in. We have this, this work to be done, paying our bills. But Jesus said, if you follow me, I'm going to change you. You're going to go do an eternal work in catching people. That's our job. That's our mission. We're on mission with Jesus to catch people, bring them in, get them saved. Amen? Amen. Amen. Open up more campuses, right? Fill these seats. Catch them. Bring them here. And then immediately, notice that these guys, this was their livelihood, that they feed their families, right? Their hired servants' families, and they left immediately. They didn't go sell their stuff on Craigslist, right? They didn't auction it off. They left immediately because the work Jesus called them to do was so good. Maybe, maybe they had already been praying about an opportunity like this to come their way, and this was the answer to their prayer. That might change the way we pray. Sometimes we pray that God would give us what we want to do. I want to do this, God. Make me, I want to, I want to speak. I want to do this. I want to pray that God would bring opportunities your way and you would see them and recognize them. So when an opportunity does come, you're like, this is it. They didn't have to go tell their wife at home, right? You think, oh, that's bad. No, no. I'm sure they may have been praying with, with their wives. Like, opportunity comes. This is it. I know. Go. Right? God told us, my wife and I, we're comfortable this is what I want you to do. We knew, same night, we knew exactly. We're like, yes, this is it. We're like, are you believe- this is crazy. We agreed on it. It was crazy. It was like, we're not going to have a job. Okay, well, let's do it. I know this is what I'm supposed to do. Took a step of faith. We, we've been praying about opportunities. What, well, how are you praying for God to change your world and the opportunities that are happening? Think about the way that we pray. I love this stuff. You guys liking this stuff? Yeah. Yeah, write it down, write it down, write it down. Mark chapter 5, moving right along. We're going to look at uh, Jesus choosing even more unlikely people. 
This story blows my mind. I love this story. Mark chapter 5, Jesus already has some team. He picks Matthew, the tax collector, picks some other guys. Now he has his crew, his squad, right? Hashtag squad goals. He has his varsity team. He's traveling. He's doing ministry, just starting ministry. They go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, to the east side. Right, east side. They go to the east side of the Sea of Galilee. They roll up in a place called Decapolis. This is a place that now has non-Jewish people, and we know that Jesus ministered to that uh, other group of society. They roll up to the other side of of the sea. I'm going to summarize part of the story as you guys turn to Mark chapter 5. Jesus is met by a man with the evil spirit living in the tombs, bounded in chains, naked, demon-possessed, running around crazy. He's the least likely guy in the whole city to do anything at all right? He's screaming at the moon, cutting himself with stones, and living in the tombs. He must have felt really unworthy to be casted out by all the people, right? Must have felt unworthy, marginalized, small. Like, I like die. But he meets Jesus. He meets Jesus. Say, meets Jesus meets Jesus and Jesus stops everything he's doing calms him and commands the legion of, of legion means a lot legion of demons and he casts them into these pigs on the hill 2,000 pigs run into the ocean right and drown then the herders get all bummed because that's their job too and they run and tell the crowd so this crowd starts to surround Jesus and this man And we're going to pick up the story in Mark chapter 5, verse 15. It says this. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting to the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed began to go, with, to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you, how to be merciful, how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the, town, the ten towns of the region and began proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. So what's going on here? The least likely guy in the room, the most unqualified guy, the guy in high school, you know how they give those awards, most likely to be this, go to, he didn't even graduate. The naked man, the scared man, the unworthy man. Yet Jesus finds him worthy to stop what he's doing and pay the price and solve all his problems and cast his problems into the pigs. Jesus found him so worthy that he ruined these pig herders' jobs. Jesus found him so unworthy that he ruined all the families down at the beach when all the pigs started running into the ocean by them, freaking out the kids, right? That happened in Hawaii. All the pig hunters would be chasing them and the dogs would be crazy. (laughs) Jesus said, you are so worthy. I love you. I have a mission for you. I'm gonna interrupt people's lives for you. Then he shows up fully dressed because he was naked, right? And they're afraid of him. The freed man asked to go with Jesus. 
And Jesus says, no, I want you. Jesus sends him out to the 10 towns and he begins proclaiming what Jesus did in his life and people were amazed. Did you know this is the first recorded missionary in the Bible? This is the first recorded missionary in the Bible. This unworthy guy, the least likely. Jesus had all of eternity picked this guy and sent him out. And he had a story. Remember me? Jesus changed my life. I love that story. Unlikely people from unlikely places doing unlikely ministry. Amen, Amen right? Here's what's significant about that. Obviously, many of you might feel unworthy. Problems. Marginalized, labeled, the least likely in your family to do anything or even be here today. Maybe you're here. It's not an accident. Jesus knew you'd be here. And Jesus can take all your problems and put them in the pigs, right? I got 99 problems, but a pig ain't one. <laughs> hey, guys, got that. Hashtag choke problems. He wants to change your life supernaturally by faith. But maybe you're here today and you're like, I don't got a lot of those kind of problems. I've been walking with Jesus. I'm following Jesus. Maybe you have influence. Maybe you have a successful ministry. Maybe you're on staff at a church. Maybe you are running a small group. I want you to pay attention to someone here who's not mentioned in Scripture. But it's obvious that somebody put pants on this guy. He was naked. He wasn't like, I got, oh, let me go grab my bag of clothes that I had in the tombs and I, right? Someone said, I'm going to put pants on this guy. He was fully dressed. Who's the guy that put pants on him? We don't know. That was a disciple who said, you know what? Being a believer means getting low and giving my pants to somebody and helping them, Right? Flipping the bill for somebody else to succeed. I've been, obviously been around, I've seen a lot of things in churches around. A lot of times I see young leaders, old leaders, they want to be right here, spotlight, all right? All right? If you're a leader and you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, our, our real responsibility is to Make disciples and put pants on people. People you think, never, no way. Give people real ministry to do. Serve. Sometimes we think we have to wait till we have it all together to come to church, right? Like you got to wash the dishes and then put them in the dishwasher and then go in. We got to wash ourselves off, be clean, then come to church, all appearance and not my own. No, no, no. Jesus said, come to me just like you are, all problems, Right? Maybe that's a word for somebody here. Who are you discipling? You've been around for, for a long time, right? Get connected, get involved, disciple people. Lift them up. I've been fortunate enough that people have put pants on me and sent me out when I was unworthy, unlikely. What I most treasure the most in these years of ministry has been the, not the 
these programs and those programs and all these cool programs. It's been the people that God's brought in my life. I said, I'm going to put pants on this person. I'm going to raise them up and see how they go. My friend Andy, 20 years old, I met him at the beach in San Diego. He's all skinny kid, all like he was a foster kid, tattoos, gangs, living under cars, dealing drugs, doing them. And my friend's like, let's bring Andy in our, let's bring Andy into our camp, into our circle. Let's give him a place to stay. They give him a place to stay. Let's give him a little bit of jobs on the church. Andy um, was like setting up chairs. He set up all the chairs really well. Then he started doing this. He was faithful and little. I knew God was giving him to be a ruler of much. Slowly but surely, Andy started taking on more and more, hanging out with youth doing the skate ministry. Andy decided to disciple some kids, ran a community group. I'm talking really fast. That's okay. It's a cool story. You guys can keep up. <clears throat> I'm also Portuguese, so talk my hands. This is Andy right here. <laughs> um, Sleep but surely, Andy started to disciple kids. Andy started to take these students across the country, driving 30 hours from San Diego to like Rhode Island to other Florida, all these places across. Crazy talking to schools. He was breaking bricks. He started playing drums. He was like, awesome. I am proud to say, oh, then he met another girl in our youth ministry. They got married. They had a baby. He's a husband. He moved in next door to us. Two months ago, Andy got a job with Pastor Rick Warren at a church of like how many with a youth group of 1,500 kids. He's over there. I'm like, how'd you do that? I don't know. And he will say humbly, like, oh, I just keep wanting to make disciples and God's going to use, use me. I'm like, yeah, unlikely you're under cars, foster kid, gangs. This is crazy. I'm like, I love you, Andy. A girl named Stevie came to youth ministry. She's 18 years old. She's like, I don't even like teenagers. I'm like, well, that's a problem. Because a lot of people love teenagers, but if, you have to like them to be in youth ministry, okay? At least like them. Well, we love them, but we don't like them. She's like, okay, I'll try liking them. She started liking them. She started discipling them. She began, she was kind of crazy and running around, so we gave her a mic and a hand and said, MC some games, ran some games. Then she was running our camps. She met her husband in our youth ministry. I was able to invest in her life and do their wedding. Um, they were offered youth pastor positions all around, really, the world. They said no because they loved getting the discipleship that we're offering them. See, sometimes people, discipleship and multiplying people into your life, investing in your life is more important, really, than just getting a paycheck. That's the fisherman thought. That's what Stephen and Nick thought, right? Sooner or later, she started going around the country too and doing assemblies and school assemblies. Last week, she just got back from Montenegro speaking to kids in prisons about Jesus and what God's done in her life. She hated school before. Now she's like going to Bible college. She's married and God's doing an amazing thing in her life. These are two stories of hundreds of kids and the youth pastors that we've been able to invest in. Those things I'm gonna keep for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? That's what I am like, oh, I get excited about that stuff. Finding someone to put some pants on. You know what I mean? This is my kid at the beach. He can run around naked, but. <laughs> my challenge to you guys today, follow Jesus immediately. Follow him today. Number two, he will supernaturally change your life. Supernaturally. You have to believe that. It's called walking by faith. Number three, will you be a fisher of men? How uncomfortable are we to go out and get our friends, get our family members? A lot of empty seats here, right? Big windward side, a lot of people drowning. Let's go catch them. Let's go catch them. Maybe you're going to leave your job. I don't know. That's up to Jesus, right? But I do know as if you're in this room, a good majority of you are Christ's followers. 
Let's go multiply ourselves. Go catch people. Bring them in. Get them saved. Amen? Amen. Amen. And then number four, put pants on somebody. Put some pants on somebody. Get low. Lift them up. Help them in their walk with Jesus. And at the end of our life, we're going to stand in line to go to heaven. And our line is going to be shorter than the line going to hell. We don't want to be standing in the line going to heaven and look over and see some people that we know going to hell. It's too late at that moment. They can look over at you and be like, bro, you never told me about Jesus. And you're like, oh, you didn't see the anchor church sticker on my car and he created an eye sticker. That's what that meant. That meant follow me because it's on my rear end. I was like, follow me to church. That's where I was going. <laughs> They're like, I just invite me. Most of you come because you were invited. Sometimes just invite them. That's a step of faith. Invite them. Come. It's funny. It's good. It's real. Carl's real, right? This series I came with was Get Real. It's real. Real lives, real change. Unreal. Amen? Amen. There's some of you here today to put your faith in Jesus today. Be a follower of Christ today. Let's ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. And we're going to say a little prayer. If that's you, say, I want to become a Christian today. I want to become a Christ follower. I don't have any answers. That's okay. I got a lot of problems. Good. Because Jesus supernaturally wants to change your life. He died for you. The bad news is your problems will send you to hell. Good news is you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior and you believe you died from the cross. You're going to heaven. That's the good news. There can't be good news without bad news. You can receive the good news. He's after you. He's drafting you. He's saying, follow me. As you pray this prayer in your heart, say, dear Jesus, in your heart, dear Jesus, I know my sin is wrong. I carry a lot of shame. I feel unworthy. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and wash me white as snow. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me and forgive me of my sins. I want to be adopted into a new family. Change my life. I love you, Jesus. Lord, I know that making a decision for you is making a decision of how to take the first step into how to live the rest of my life, not making a decision for just where I go when I die. A lot of times we think making a decision to be a Christian is to make a decision where we go at the end of our life, but we forget we have a whole long life to live, whether it's a week or five years or 40 years or 80 years. Making a decision to follow Jesus today and then making a decision to follow Jesus tomorrow. Continue to God change you. If you prayed that prayer with all eyes closed, I want you to tell two people, Jesus and me. And then it can make it easier to tell your friends and family what you did. I'm going to send you out to get connected and get a Bible and start reading and start reading your journey, this love letter that Jesus wrote to you. So on the count of three, if you prayed that prayer, raise your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hands up high. Lift your hands up high. Make it a stand for Jesus. Follow Jesus today. I see a couple of you. I see a couple of you. You can put your hand down. You told Jesus. You told me. Challenge to tell your friends. Tell your family what's going on. Amen. 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 Let's pray for those people, family of God, followers of Christ. Let's extend their hands out around you. Say, we love you, Jesus. We thank you for those involved in our family. We know that the church is a family. The church is a body. The church is not the building. The church has left the building. 
I pray, Lord, that we as a family would bring these people in that are brothers and sisters in Christ and help them, put pants on them, help disciple them and mentor them, and they would get connected and we can share our problems. We know Jesus is greater than our problems. We love you, Jesus, so much. We thank you, God, for Anchor Church, for Pastor Carl and the leadership team here. Lord, we pray a blessing over this church. We pray a, bl- a blessing over the windward side of Oahu, from Wamanawa to Kahuku, this whole side of the island, Lord. We would go catch them. We'd throw cast big nets, bring them in, get people saved, and life change. And people come to church, they would see life change. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much.